0: Hello and welcome to this series of podcasts designed and prepared by the AEC SMS Working Group on Entrepreneurship. Our group is looking at how higher music education institutions can integrate an entrepreneurial mindset among students and teaching staff. We hope you enjoy the series of podcasts we have prepared for you.
1: A very warm welcome to the podcast. I am Olaf Bruns and I will guide you through this episode of the show. Now, in this last episode, we will a bit stray away from the questions around entrepreneurial skills in music education, but we will stay true to the question, what can music education do to become more relevant to students as well as to society? The question we'll be debating this time is, in the diverse societies that we are, and that we are bound to become even more in the future, what can conservators do to make sure they are the places where the music of tomorrow is created? That they are the places that support musical creation, that's relevant, that plays a role, that's listened to. As always, we have two guests in the show, two guests this time who have both made their very different experiences with straying away from the established musical canon that's mainly taught and with hitting the limits of current musical education. It's Viola Cheng, a soprano singer, who hails from Hong Kong, but who is currently based in The Hague in the Netherlands. And she is also a player of the Gu a Chinese thither, whose history goes back at least 2,500 years. And we have Nate Holder, a player of one of the slightly younger but no less versatile instruments, the saxophone. But Nate is also an author, a public speaker, and a music education consultant based in London. Viola, for people to get to know you a bit, I would like to ask you first, what made you fall in love with music?
0: This is really an instinctive thing like when i was two or three year old i just copied everything i heard in my mom's shower so whatever she sang i just 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 copied without knowing really what was the meaning of the words
1: and and how did music become the thing you wanted to do in life
0: in my high school i i met a really good friend and then we started to to play songs together to write um, some pop songs and lyrics and we're having a lot of fun. We also um, presented our song in a singing competition and we won the first prize. And then actually this experience changed both of our career paths. we decided to to study music from then on.
1: But you were not only singing, but also playing, as I already said, the guzheng.
0: I started to play the piano first, and then continued with the guzheng. Um, and actually, at, at at a very young age, I I explored both worlds of music, which. Sometimes can could be confusing, but I, I had a lot of fun.
1: But when you wanted to study music, I also understood you were supposed to make a choice. You want to pursue a career in music, you have to pick Western music, is that correct?
0: Yeah, I chose Western music because that's easier for me to get into a university degree in music and... Um, There are more resources I could find at that time.
1: Nate, I guess you can relate to this experience, even though your experience of of institutional, should I say, rejection of non-Western music was already inside music education. But before you tell us about this, could you say a few words on how music became the thing you wanted to do in life?
2: Sure. So I think for me, music was always a part of what I what I did, what I was around. Um, growing up in church, um, especially being around music every single week, it was just something that we did as kids singing a lot in choirs and, and stuff like that. And then as time went on, I'm starting to get into different instruments and playing, you know, but not really seeing it as, a, as something that I was going to do full time. And I think one of the pivotal moments for me was probably 2007. I went to a concert. This is when Prince came over to London um, for his 21 nights and one of his his saxophone players, a guy by the name of Mike Phillips, he put on a couple of gigs um, outside of outside of the, the actual show um, at a place called Pigalle in Leicester, in Leicester Square. And my cousin told me about it. I went down and for the first time, I remember seeing someone playing the saxophone live and seeing someone enjoy playing the saxophone. Not just playing it, you know, they're playing jazz and just, you know, they're, you know, that kind of playing jazz, right? Straight ahead, whatever. But having fun, laughing on stage. So you really started
1: to learn the saxophone after having seen it in, in this very joyful moment.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that was most one of the most incredible experiences to see someone actually enjoying what he's doing and you know, not seeming to be too concerned about the exact notes he's playing and not being too concerned about you know how he's standing, like you know, proper posture and all of that stuff. It was just I'm having fun, I'm on stage with people that I've you know, maybe some he's never played with before. The crowd were having an amazing time. He's feeding off the crowd, interacting, talking to them. And that was probably the moment where I was like, if if you can do this for a living, why would you want to do anything else? Right.
1: <laughs> that is perhaps a good moment to already listen to a piece of your music. Nate, then later you did study music, but when you wanted to focus on music from Barbados where a part of your family comes from, what
2: happened? Diving into a part of my history that I didn't know about and music that I had never heard of before um, was was extremely interesting for many different reasons. But what happened was that I didn't have the support that I probably needed at that point because many of my lecturers didn't know, know, well I say many, none of them knew about this music, none of them really knew about Barbados. So uh, essentially I was on my own and that's you know, not necessarily you know a slight on them. It, it just goes to show, and I think it showed me and it still continues to show me, you know, when we are trying to figure out, figure out and learn more about music from different places, do we have the support, you know, who's, who's there to guide and to lead and to, and to show and to contextualize. Fortunately, there was a couple of people I was able to reach out to, but that was, that was almost in spite of being at the institution rather than being able being led to certain people because of the institution I was in.
1: Back to you Viola. You then put a lid on your passion for the gujang for a decade or so only to rediscover it again at the conservatory in the Netherlands, correct?
0: I started my uh, second master degree in music in the new audience and innovative practice master and in this program I was encouraged to dis- uh, discover my Musical interest in a deeper level, and I got time to reflect on what can I do to bring in some um, values that I would be proud of, that I would like to set as my musical identity. And at that time, I was also asked by a an experimental musical theatre company um, to collaborate in an experimental opera production. With the Chinese instruments, and then I did a lot of improvisations and also accompanying Mozart's music with the guzheng.
1: Well, that's perhaps already a good moment to listen a bit of your music. that sounds like Viola really had the support that you were lacking. But I wanted to ask you something else. You, you've resorted to a more activist stance. Dan. There's a hashtag decolonize music ad, or decolonize musical education on your website. Tell us what precisely is wrong with the current canon that is taught in music education, or w- what is colonial about it?
2: Essentially, what we're looking at is a, a, a canon, a system of... Um, of, of teaching, uh, you know pedagogical ideas, repertoire, instruments which have come from one particular place in the world. And so all, all, like almost all of the knowledge that has kind of gone throughout the world and, and, and been studied and been taught has come from one particular part of the world. And on a basic level, all we're really saying is well, let's let's include the ideas, the instruments, you know, the, the pedagogy, the, the the culture of other musics and other from other people from around the world and across different time periods.
1: So the logical follow up question is, what what do you mean by decolonizing it? How how to do that concretely?
2: In my opinion, there is no, not necessarily an end goal, as in there's not necessarily a, you know, now we've decolonized so we can move on to a different conversation. I, I think you know when we consider colonialism and the impacts and how long, you know, how many hundreds of years. You know, colonial ideas and and the implications of those have 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 permeated in different areas of society you know whether it be intellectual or physical violence right um we have to understand that this current kind of process of decolonizing it could potentially take as long as that right if, if we ever get to that point because even me understanding where I am where I was born you know I'm born into that system so there's a level of thinking that I have that will never in in a sense in essence be be decolonized right
1: I also read on your website that basically the period of production of of the classical European canon coincides with a period of colonialization.
2: You know when the you know the classical eras of, of music, you know the real kind of heyday of music theory and 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 you know the, some of the the, the most well known repertoire and the people that we associate most closely with being the great composers. At the very same time, there's a lot of things happening in the world. There was you know a different different um, countries were going and, and colonizing different other areas of the world. Um, we have you know, the transatlantic slave trade that was happening. We have different other slaveries that were happening across the world. And and so you have this, this idea that there was turmoil in everywhere else around the world. And in, in Europe, even though there, was, there were a lot of wars and things happening, but there were still able to be a pockets of people who were able to produce amazing music. And I think the question I have often is, were they able to create that mu- amazing music in spite of everything that was happening or in some cases because of everything that was happening? Because of all of the, the wealth that was being transferred into places um, around Europe, were they able to have a lifestyle which allowed them to solely concentrate on composition and performing and touring, whereas people around the world were literally fighting for their lives?
1: So as the attentive listener might have noticed, we're in the midst of a much larger social debate which touches upon equal rights, upon structural inequality and racism in our societies, but which we'll not be able to deal with in this short podcast we're producing here. But one thing to make sure nobody is getting this wrong, you don't plea for any sort of exclusion, right?
2: Of course, yeah, This is not about excluding anybody, it's, it's about including more you know, and and giving options, I think as well, because sometimes I think in many, in many conservatoires, schools, universities, colleges, that there's, the options just aren't there for people to explore different areas of music, different styles, different genres from across time. So how can we allow, you know, young people, especially to dive into the things that they want to dive into? And then not only that, but the things that are being presented to them, how can we properly contextualise them in the best way that we can, given where we are in the world and given the resources we have available to us?
1: So there is one thing which is adding music from outside the very restricted area of Western European tradition. And there's another thing, and I absolutely don't intend these as opposites, rather perhaps as different aspects, which would be to merge different musical traditions towards well let's say the music of the future viola that's something you're quite busy with right
0: yeah now i'm i'm seeing more and more of this happening um i i've seen um collaborations um with like musicians with classical backgrounds and then with world music backgrounds with um, for example I, I have uh, collaborated with people who play the Chinese instruments not necessarily they only read the Chinese scores but they also know Western music so this is something that's that's exciting I think it is time that we realize at school we often see education as a cause of art and then as a cause of culture, and then society. But more and more people are realizing that we are living in a community and and we have so much to say about um, the society, and we have more creativity um, that we want to show.
1: You already alluded to this a little bit earlier. You wonder whether it's possible to produce music without stereotypes and without putting people into pigeonholes.
0: If we can can accept things with a new eye and not really uh, pre prejudge something already with an image that we already knew before, um, this can be uh, very exciting because um, i I've been I've been experimenting it in my master research as well because I found that it's always the first question that people ask um is this a chinese instrument or um, they associate this instrument with with really ancient type of music and having a really strong feeling that this has to be in this context and i i was experimenting it with electronics or um combination of singing classically which is totally opposite to how traditional Chinese singing is like Um, and I found that um, by pushing forward the safety feeling of people like not to not to have uh, judgments on what it should be actually they can be many possibilities and that's how I think contemporary music or or modern music, which can speak for this generation should be.
1: Nate, you are a teacher yourself. So what are the main points that would need to change according to you so that music education can actually become relevant to society, to the entire society?
2: Something that I've been, I've been saying recently has been just this idea of removal of, of ego. So, and what I mean by that is that understanding that, you know, us as humans, we have an we have a finite amount of knowledge that we can you know we can have, right? And if we don't have no knowledge, I think sometimes what we often do is not not present or not explore because we don't have, because we don't have the knowledge. And I think it's important for us to start to almost admit that if, if we admit our shortcomings where well, we don't understand something and then be able to say, well, this person knows, this person knows, this person knows. And I think in doing that, we're able to broach issues which which happen you know, on a day-to-day basis, which have happened, which we can see might the potential to happen. Um, people who have that lived experience um, and people who understand certain things, because then you know, we can remove ourselves and bring other people in to teach those things and to present these ideas to different um, students of you know different abilities and different um ideas of what it is to be human even right um so yeah i think this is one thing that we really need to understand is just that you know almost almost teaching by 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 committee as opposed to you know as a, as a as a teacher feeling like you have to know everything and if you don't know everything then you know it's very easy to exclude you know ideas and, and topics and and not and not not approach them, especially now. I think with the Black Lives Matter movement and you know Stop Asian Hate and all these different movements which are which are happening at the moment. You know, um, the Free Palestine movement, for example, as well. When a lot of teachers feel like I can't talk about this because I don't know about it, and so the solution isn't then I think to to not say anything. The solution then is to to, where possible, bring someone in, and so that they can broach these issues. Viona, what
1: would be your recommendations to, towards a musical education for, well, I don't like to say for the 21st century, as we're already two decades into it, but let's say your recommendations for musical education for the second half of the 21st century.
0: I think in general, we can allow more um, creativity to be put in in really the syllabus for example if i because i come from a classical singing background if i would uh, be encouraged to make my own projects um or to to stage to stage an opera scene which could be having a name of operas but now nowadays we use these terms um really interchangeably which allows more um, collaborations for example the classical singing department with a composition department or with with world music department like it can be it can be more um space for 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 musicians to come together from different disciplines so we can we can see broader um the entertainment nowadays it's it's about youtube it's about TikTok, and movies and um influences it's it's so diverse nowadays and and we should be able to notice that we are just a really small 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 sector in the whole entertainment industry so i think musical education especially in conservatories which um they base mm, their educational system so much on the traditions, uh, have to realize that we are now um, having a different digital era, which, which is so much different from when Mozart or when, I don't know, like even closer year, um like uh, for example, Schoenberg or, Stockhausen, we're not living in their age anymore.
1: Very shortly, and that's rather a question of letting your imagination go. For you, Nate, what would be the music of the future?
2: I think we're, we're starting to hear it. I think we're hearing, you know, from people from coming from different places around the world, you know, um, for example, some friends of mine that I've been very fortunate to play with, a band called Coco Rocco, Some of you might've heard of, um, you know, young. Black people from different parts of of the Caribbean and from and from and from, from Africa born in this country, you know, understanding where they're from and learning jazz music and studying at conservatoires and come together to make this music which talks about their heritage but also refers back to the the jazz that they've studied and you know um you know, refers back to some of the, the the classical elements that they studied as well. And I think this is the future. It's, it's us coming together and realizing that we don't have to, you know, section ourselves into a classical box or a pop box or a rock box and conservatories realizing well, you don't have to just, you know, channel students into this one particular area of music, it's orchestras playing music of, of, of you know, of rappers and rappers sampling, you know, orchestral music, and it's, it's, it's rock musicians playing jazz licks, you know, it's, 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 it's mixing all of it together and, and celebrating all of the, the differences and bringing it all together. I think that's, that's the future.
1: For you, Viola, just in a few words, how do you imagine the music of the future, if it was up to you?
0: I, I really think that music or any form of art is kind of the echo of how society grows. It's just a lot like globalization. We we catch up with um, cultures from the other side of the world so much um, so much more nowadays. Nowadays, the internet connects us together, and this is, I think, the first phase that we are we are catching up um, um, with everybody in the whole world. Uh, So as long as we are developing technology and realizing that like human beings, we are all kind of the same, (laughs) that although we have different habits or different cultures, different traditions and languages. So I think music in the end will come together that doesn't need to differentiate you and me or like uh, Chinese or Western or, or, Yeah, whatever they want to name them.
1: Viola, Nate, thank you very much to both of you, really. And for me, it was a pleasure to be with everybody on this series of podcasts.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information on the AEC SMS project, we welcome you to visit our website, Aec music.eu forward slash entrepreneurial
1: mindset for musicians.